Welcome to Stutter Stories, where guests from around the world each share the ins, outs, ups, and downs of life and conversation as a person who stutters. I'm your host, Trisha Hedinger. Self-doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Self-doubt is a powerful force that stands in the way of us reaching our full potential. And it often leads to future regret and uh, what-if statements. You know, what if I had done this? What if I had only tried? Um, and, And the antidote to that is being willing to try and fail being accepting of the possibility that it might not work out, but trying anyway, being afraid, but trying anyway. Today's guest almost let self-doubt stop him from performing his greatest accomplishment of his 27-year-old life. Uh, James Hayden is the author of Dear World, I Stutter and has performed a TED Talk one of the highest honors in public speaking. And I'm privileged today to have James here on our podcast. Hi, James. How are you today? I'm doing well, Trisha. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start off, if you will just tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, what you like to do with your free time, what you do for work, where you're from, and and where you've lived in the past. Sure. So, uh, I'm a J- 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 James Hayden. I'm a J- J- 27 a- a- a years old. Um, I've lived in the New Orleans area f- for most of my life, mm-hmm. uh, the exception being college when I lived in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, mm-hmm. where I went to Southern Miss. And I lived in the Baton Rouge area for two years after I graduated. But other than that, other, the New Orleans area for, for my entire life. Mm-hmm. I currently work at Ashner Health as an HLA a technologist, mm-hmm. uh, and, and what that is is I see if a potential organ donor and a potential organ recipient are compatible, mm, and we do a, a, a different a, a disease testing as well. Um, on the side, I am a writer, um, the author of the, the Dear World I Stutter, a series of open letters to people that have been or will be on my journey with stuttering. Um, I also blog for the Stuttering Foundation and for the British Stammering Association. Outside of all that, I'm a big fan of the New Orleans Saints and a super fan of the show Survivor. That's awesome. That's quite an interesting job. You kind of don't even realize that, yeah, there's people out there that do that. That's a really cool job to have. Um, how do you think growing up in uh, Louisiana or New Orleans specifically, um, and then moving to Mississippi and back for college, how do you think that impacted your relationship with stuttering? Um, what would you say are some perceptions of stuttering in your area? So I think with each you know city that I've lived in, they, they've brought me different perspectives on stuttering. So I'll just go you know, city by city okay. That's cool. So living in the Orleans area, um, that's when I first went to speech therapy. And when I went to speech therapy as a kid, I really didn't 
fully know why I was there. I just knew I talked differently than everyone and I got to miss class and go to this mm-hmm. other place where I got to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool for me. So like that kind of time, like early childhood, I really didn't like think about, about stuttering and like in how it related to, to me and in, 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 into the city. And then in high school, I really didn't give any thought to it. But in college is when I first like thought about stuttering. Uh, so I went back to speech therapy my junior and senior years of college. And that was a big time in my life because it was the first time I talked about stuttering. I was able to, I guess, ex- deal with all of the emotions associated with stuttering and was willing to go there for the first time. Mm. So, so, so Heisberg was good for me in that regard. And then Baton Rouge was monumental for me in my journey with stuttering. Um, it was the first time that I met someone else uh, that stuttered. It was it was when I got involved with the the National Stuttering uh, 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 Association, mm-hmm. also known as uh, 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 the NSA. Mm-hmm. And in the five plus years I've been a part of the NSA, it's been one of the best things ever. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned I've met a bunch of amazing people. Mm-hmm. And I've become a lot more comfortable with myself and, and like with my voice. And it was mm-hmm. because I was in Baton Rouge and got involved in, in, in the, the uh, NSA within a month of me moving, mm-hmm. uh, moving to, 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 to Baton Rouge. Uh, living in Baton Rouge and in that chapter of my life wasn't, isn't the best chapter, isn't the, like, the best part of my life looking back, but the, but that section of it, I'm forever thankful for, and, and glad I lived in Baton Rouge for, for that, that two years, for the, that two year, year time period. And now being back in New Orleans, I serve as the chapter leader for the, the for the the, 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 the the New Orleans chapter, and we're a small chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just me and like one or two of the guys. Sometimes it's just me, mm-hmm. and then others it's me and SLP students. Mm-hmm. I know there's, I think there's a larger population of people who stutter in the Orleans area, but for whatever reason, either don't know or don't want to be involved with the NSA, which are both valid reasons. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of support groups out there like yours that are very small and, um, you know, sometimes it's just you or just right. you and one other person. And that can be, um, tough for chapter leaders to endure, especially if you have many months like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I've experienced the same thing where it's a lot of up and down, you know, we might have a big group for a while and then they move on and, and then it's back to a small group, but, right. um, but it's good there. You continue to persist. Right. And yeah. like my main thinking is, is be there for that person. Like right. Be there for that per- for that person who maybe walk. It took them, you know, three four years to build the courage to walk through that door. Yeah. And if it's just me and that one person, then that's worth it. Because if that one person realizes they're not alone in all this, then me sitting in an empty library room for four months on end before someone shows up, it's worth it. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Um, so how would you say your friends and family typically responded to your stuttering? So I've been friends with pretty much the same people for almost a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. My same like, you know, core group of friends who I met 
in high school and early on in college. Mm-hmm. And it's a non-issue for them, as it should be. They're mm-hmm. just like, oh, this is James. He stutters. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And is what it is. If it was an issue, we wouldn't be friends. Right. But early on in our friendship, like I really didn't talk about stuttering and they didn't talk about stuttering. It was just the elephant in the room because I wasn't at that point in my life to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But over the past, you know, three, four years or so, I'm very okay with, with it. Like if they want to talk about it, it's, it's not off the table anymore. Mm-hmm. And in fact, over the, the past, I'd say two years or so, when I'm with friends in a one-on-one situation and there's like a lull in the conversation and it's a friend that I trust and I'm, you know, really good friends with, I've, I've asked them, so, you know, you know, what do you think about the fact that I stutter? There's no mm. cash to dropping that bomb. Yeah. You know, because that's what you do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're like, okay. And for the most, all the responses, but yeah, it's like not an issue. I realize that's who you are. You stutter. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And you're still my friend. It has, it has, it really hasn't impacted our friendship in any way. And we're good. It's been a, a non-issue for the most part, and as it should be. Uh, family the same way. Uh, growing up, and even into my early 20s, we really didn't talk about stuttering. Like, we all knew I stuttered. I mean, I didn't really hide it. Everyone knew I went to speech therapy. But no one really talked about it. And uh, that changed... I think in 2016, when I lived in Baton Rouge and uh, the Baton Rouge chapter of the NSA, they did it like open house. And, and, and so I told my parents and my sister about it just casually because I was in Baton Rouge at the time and they were in New Orleans. So I was visiting them one weekend. And I said, hey, I'm doing this thing in a few weeks. Just, oh, by the way, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, keep them updated with what's going on in like my life and then think like the weekend before it happened i was visiting them again and i said you know see y'all later i'll be back in a few weeks and they said oh no we'll see you wednesday we're going to the open house i'm like okay cool like like externally i'm like okay cool awesome and i'm like this is gonna be interesting because we've never talked about this subject so yeah and I'm going to talk as if they're not there uh-huh. and I'm going to be honest. And so open house happens, yada, yada. I didn't really get a chance to spend that much time with them because it was like eight thirty nine o'clock at night on a, on a school day. They'd be back for work and school the next day. So we just did you know, quick goodbyes. And so I think like the week or so after I went back to New Orleans to visit and I said, so, you know, what y'all think about it? They go, it was good. What y'all think? Like, yeah, it was fine. It was good. She's like, erg. Uh, and that's kind of the state it was. And yeah. then July, it was the summer of seven, 2017. It was the day before my first ever NSA conference. Mm. And uh, I was staying with them at the time uh, just so, so, so they could bring me to the airport, all that good stuff. And uh, it was the day before I was supposed to leave. And we're eating lunch at the kitchen table. And we we're eating Subway. And a perfect lunchtime conversation. I bring up, so what do y'all think about the fact that I stutter? Just because mm-hmm. that's what you do on a Tuesday afternoon during lunch, right? <laughs> While you're eating Subway. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, it's, it's like whatever, James. Like, no big deal. I'm like, no. Like, what do y'all really think? Like, I want to go there. And my dad in that moment wasn't ready for it, which, uh. okay, cool. And, and we've had this conversation since. 
but my mom could tell this was important to me. And so we went there. And it was one of those conversations where you don't remember exactly what was said three mm-hmm. and a half years later, but you remember, you know, how you felt. Yeah. And it was like, okay, we expressed it. We're good. We know where each other stands. And it was like a solid, positive, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, since that they're very you know, supportive of all that I do mm-hmm. and it's not, we don't like talk about it every day, but it's not an awfulness topic like it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you could go back to when you were in even your younger mm-hmm. years as a kid, do you wish you talked about it more then? Or, um, you know, how do you feel about that? So I think I, in a little bit, I wish we did. But I also don't think I had the emotional, I know I did not have the emotional maturity or intelligence to like deal with this topic. Yeah. But I mean, we talked about what's in the context of like, hey, you know, you know, how speech therapy going or like, mm-hmm. let's practice our, 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 your lessons from speech therapy. But yeah, but I really didn't want to talk about it. I don't, I may have kind of looked at you weird, like, yeah, like, let's, let's not go there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, do you have any pet peeves about stuttering or are there certain responses from people that make you cringe or feel annoyed? So, yes. So my biggest pet peeve is when someone finishes my sentences. Mm-hmm. A biggest pet peeve, number, number one on my list, both stuttering related and not stuttering related, finishing my sentences. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what you're telling me is that my voice is not worth being heard. Mm. You're telling me that my voice is not worth those extra three, four, five, 10, 12 seconds, whatever it is, if I'm on a block or if I'm repeating the first syllable or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that is, you're telling me that my voice isn't worth being heard, which aggravates me to no end. And then also, if you finish it and then you're wrong, you mm-hmm. kind of look like an idiot. It's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say, but nice try, better luck next time. Mm-hmm. And if you know what I'm trying to say, then like, give me those four or five seconds just to, to finish my thought mm. and we can move on. And that's something I, I do. If, if you finish my sentence for me and you're correct, I still finish my own sentence for me because mm-hmm. my, my voice and my words are worth being heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest like, gripe or response I don't like is the along lines of like, take your time, slow down. We're in no rush, like, like, like the usual responses, like we yeah. have all the time in the world, like that for no genre, not, not genre, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That style of response. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's one of those things where I know people mean well, right? Like, I know you mean well, but it's not helping the cause. And it's just making me, me more frustrated because it's like, you're looking down at me. Mm. With, with, with sympathy and I don't want your sympathy. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. It, it's sometimes the, the statements that come from people who um, have good intentions right. don't land the way they think they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I always feel like people seem excited to, to answer that question. What's your pet peeve? About yeah. stuttering? <laughs> I usually see a lot of enthusiasm in faces. Yes, I do have yes. pet peeves. I want to tell There's you about many. them. <laughs> um, so, so here's the tough question. Um, yes. Tell me about a time that was particularly challenging or hurtful or defeating to you, you know, related to stuttering. Um, how'd you feel in that moment? Yeah. And, um, 
if you could go back, how would you change it? And when we think about if you could go back, you know, there's lots of ways in life to think about a woulda, shoulda, coulda, mm -hmm. but really answer, asking that part as, um, you know, advice for, for other people who might encounter the same thing. Even. Yeah. So. And there's like a lot, cause I can look back and I think of you know, the, the micro moments that, that happen, mm -hmm. you know, day in, day out where you're at Wendy's or whatever, and you're on a block and you're just like blocking for what seems like an eternity, but it's only, you know, four, five, six seconds. And mm -hmm. the cashier is, is like looking at you funny. Mm -hmm. th th those, those moments suck. Mm -hmm. but then there's like the big picture moments where you're being picked on as a kid, which happened, mm -hmm. or someone is accusing you of lying or you're being made fun of, or they're laughing mm -hmm. at you for stuttering. Mm -hmm. Those are all massive moments that have ha happened in my life. But I think like one of the worst was when I wish I don't stutter, mm -hmm. it was, which rarely happens. But I had a day, it was like a, it was 2018. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like, I was at a Christmas slash housewarming party that my cousin was hosting. And my speech wasn't that great, great the, in the, the few days prior. And um, I noticed at the party, I was using my stutter as an excuse to, to like not have conversations to mm -hmm. not play games and mm -hmm. i hate using my stutter as an excuse because i think stuttering wins in those moments mm -hmm. but in those mo in that on that day i did and then i had the thought of like i wish i did stutter like mm -hmm. give me that magic pill right now because mm -hmm. usually if you offer me the magic pill i'm saying no 98 times out of 100 mm -hmm. that was one of those rare moments where i was like yes please give me that pill mm -hmm. and that scared me because it hasn't yeah. happened in a while yeah so yeah that was like a mm. but i think two and a half years later i think i handled it as best as i could have because once i realized what was happening and why it was happening i i reached out to to, to my friends w w w w w within the, the, the nsa just to, like talk to them be like hey yeah this is rough right now can we just like talk yeah and just vent yeah yeah for that that magic pill question that's always a um one that sparks a lot of discussion what right. advice would you say to people who would be ready at this point in their life to take that magic pill if it came out then do it it's your journey mm -hmm. like if that's what you feel is best then then go for it i want to support you in that but for me right now i'm good mm -hmm. i wouldn't but if that's what you think is best for you then awesome Mm. go for it this is your journey not mine yeah it's good okay um did that experience um lead you to take any positive actions in the future that, that experience of feeling like oh I, I wish i didn't stutter like how did you know did you were you able to pull something positive out of that i was and it's one of the best pieces of advice that i've ever gotten which i think is a one of the questions coming up okay so you want to you want me to hold off yeah. Okay. Um, so tell me about a time that changed your perspective about stuttering or yourself for the better. You know, what happened? Who was involved? What words were exchanged? So there's a couple that instantly, instantly come to mind. Um, one was my senior year of high school. Um, I was reading at Daily Mass and I was stuttering a lot during the readings. Mm -hmm. And uh, so afterwards, uh, me and the priest, we were in the back, you know, picking up everything. 
And I turned to him and I said, I'm sorry for stuttering or whatever, whatever it was. I, 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 I was apologizing for being a person that, that stutters, basically. Mm. He looked at me and he said, James, you have nothing to apologize for. Mm-hmm. And just kept on going with his day. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I was like, okay, cool. But like looking back, that's one of those profound moments for me because I've mm-hmm. never apologized for stuttering since. Mm. Those five little words, whatever it is, yeah. had a massive impact on me. And then uh, a, on, that's like on the big picture of my TED Talk. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you... Go ahead. If you okay. want to tell me about your TED Talk, go ahead. So yeah, this was a, a year and a half ago. And uh, probably one of those like tangible signs of just growth and acceptance that I've ever had. Uh, it was at uh, my company, Ashner. It was our first ever one. Um, I applied, didn't think I was going to get it, mm-hmm. but somehow got it. Um, it was the most terrifying, nerve-wracking, and exhilarating thing I've ever done in my entire mm-hmm. life. Uh, stepped on stage, literally all the lights were on me, could only see the first two, maybe three rows. And uh, started, and I started up my butt off for a, a solid five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't mad at myself. Mm-hmm. I was actually you know, celebrating what I had just accomplished mm-hmm. because this was June of 2019. My, me, in June 2013, 2014, and even 2015, for being honest, would have never talked about stuttering that openly to to a room full of strangers mm-hmm. and th- that version of my su- that 2013 14 15 me would have been mad mm-hmm. for stuttering that much and in in and in public mm-hmm. i was like every other word i was it was it was rough like if we're being honest it was uh-huh. it was rough but i did it and i wasn't mad at myself and i actually was able to celebrate what I did regardless of, of, of how fluent I was. And I was not very fluent those five mm-hmm. minutes. I think it's just because like the nerves and the terror and the sure. excitement of everything. But yeah, I started my butt off and I didn't care. I'm like, yeah. okay, we've made some progress here. Yeah. That's like that. The moment of, of redefining what success is for you. Right. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like getting through something fluently. It's doing something. I right. stuttered and I still didn't care. You know, I was right. still proud of myself, exhilarated by it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I walked, I walked off stage and I hugged every single person that was backstage. <laughs> like the sound guys, who I didn't know um, my fellow speakers. Like if you were backstage in that moment, you, no, you got a massive hug for me. That's just <laughs> excitement. And then once all that wore down, I had to, to take a few minutes to myself and found some like random hallway and just like sit there yeah. and process what I had just done. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Um, I, I did read your uh, column in the Stuttering Foundation um, on the Stuttering Foundation page that described the the detailed process that you yes. went through um, to get to delivery of that TED Talk. So if you wouldn't mind, would you tell us just a little bit about that whole process? Yeah, sure. So I saw the email, I think in February of 2019. And uh, my first thought was, this is my opportunity. Because I remember June of 2018, I was with my best friend and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to give a like TED Talk one day. He's like, okay, cool. Do it, man. Like just mm-hmm. thinking this was going to happen maybe like 10, 15 years 
you know, down the line. Didn't think mm-hmm. it happened nine months late, nine months, nine months I would apply. And then one year after that talk, I gave my TED talk. Mm. And so I had opened the, the application for the, 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 the main TED on my computer mm-hmm. for the longest time, but didn't apply just because of self-doubt. Of like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what did I do? Do I have that's worth spreading? Why would they pick me? Etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. So in February of 2019, I saw the email for, for TEDx Ashner. And my first thought was like, heck yeah, let me do this. And then, you know, self-doubt started to creep in. And so I was on the fence. And then I had a chance meeting with one of the organizers. I, I, gave, him my, I gave him my pitch. And he said, I can't promise you anything, but, but do it. So I sent him my application made it through that that first round and then i had a phone interview make two or three weeks later uh thought i botched that didn't think i had a chance somehow i, I got a, a second interview uh and that interview was i had to do a three-minute presentation of my ted talk to mm-hmm. two different people via skype once again didn't think it was th- that good of a presentation and I said to myself, if I don't get it, that's okay. At least I tried and I can, mm-hmm. I can, can try again next year. Next year didn't happen because of COVID, but mm-hmm. life. And then I got the email uh, in April. So all this was like over a six-week time period. Mm-hmm. Got the email in April saying that you've been selected as one of the 12, mm-hmm. which holy shnikes, that was, mm-hmm. I was not expecting at all. And then this was mid-April, uh, early in May, we had a two-day workshop where all we did was, was write our speeches, practice them with different people, just two days of intense writing. And mm-hmm. I think pretty much all of us felt like we did not, but we're like, why? Oh, this is insane. Mm-hmm. I, I know I felt like I did not deserve to be there. <laughs> I think probably like everyone else at some point too. Like yeah. it was an intense two days of writing and and just speaking and getting the the feel of it correct because a TED talk is different than any other talk that that they'll ever give. Yeah. Just getting like the feeling of TED in, into your talk and practicing it and making it the best it can be. Mm. And then from early May to June twelfth, it was a lot of me practicing my speech and making minor tweaks and going to speaking coaches and just figuring out what's the best way to deliver this message. Yeah. Like I think I said my talk like a hundred times a day, just at work, just, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, going through it the entire time. Yeah. Um, I go back to this phrase that I think is such a, um, important, not, not just for people who stutter, but for anyone, but the uh, self doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Yeah. You know, and that cause self doubt, man, that can hold you back from a lot of stuff and to get into the mindset of just, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? I can try and I cannot do it. If I don't do it at all, I'm not going to do it. But if I at least tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I look at it is I'd rather try and not get it. than look back 30, look back around 15 and say, no, what if? Yeah. Yeah. What if that's that's an ugly thought too. What if, Oh, what if I had just done this? Hmm. Um, so do you have a particular mantra or inspirational phrase that you return to? Uh, I don't know if you want an inspirational phrase or 
I guess mantra, and this is something that I was told uh, during uh, the, 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 that rough part that I mentioned earlier of mm-hmm. one of the worst experiences with stuttering was to you know forgive your hard days. Mm. Just for, and I take that both for stuttering and for life. Forgive those moments when stuttering is is just rough that day. Yeah. Forgive yourself when you're stuttering more than you want to. Mm-hmm. Don't be mad at yourself for that. That's part of being a person who stutters. And then I also take it as like, you know, forgive those days when, when you're hard on yourself or you made a bunch of mistakes at work or you said something uh, 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 that you shouldn't have. Learn from mm-hmm. it, but, but forgive yourself for it and don't yeah. beat yourself up over it, which is something I struggle with a lot. But yeah. that's one of those things like I remind myself of whenever I'm having a bad day with something. It's just forgive yourself and forgive this day. It's one day. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. And just learn from it. Yeah. That self-compassion component. Yes. Um, and I was just talking about it with somebody else and that it, some people feel like giving yourself this self-compassion is, is may feel like you're being soft on, or, or, you know, indulgent or, you know, letting yourself off the hook. But, but really self-compassion is so valuable and it's actually shown to, you know, it, it kind of helps you motivate you and, you know, right. take responsibility for a moment and it allows you to move on, you know? Right. And something that I heard, this was someone, you know, one of my friends within the NSA, he said this on, on a comment on some discussion I was following like a year and a half ago. And I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but it was basically extend the same grace to yourself that you extend other people that, that stutter. Yeah. Extend that grace. And then something I heard recently that just, that, that, that hit me when we're talking about self-care and, and compassion is to love yourself like you love one of your good friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So if there were, if you were in a group of people who stutter, um, what question would you ask them to start a real conversation? So I've actually done this before at one of my NSA meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I just, I think there was a lull, lull in the conversation and I, and I said, so what do you think about the fact that you stutter? Mm-hmm. Just like open that up there. Some people didn't want to go there. Some people mm-hmm. went there and it was a good conversation. Yeah. So I think just like, just being open about it, like, let's really go there. What do you think about this? Yeah. And for the people who aren't ready to talk about it, maybe they're at least ready to listen to it. Right. Um, yeah. And if you're not ready, that's okay. Yeah. It's a good question. So is there anything else you'd like to share? Would you like to tell us a little bit more about your book or, or some other things? Yeah. So uh, my book is a, the, the Dear World I Stutter, available mm-hmm. on Amazon, Kindle, and Barnes & Nobles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a series of 25 open letters to people that have been or will be on my journey with stuttering. I write a letter to, 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 to my younger self. Um, I have the book right here. I can get it real quick. Mm-hmm. So to the reader, to, 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 to my 10-year-old self, to my parents, to my sister, to my family, to my uncle who helped me realize I need to go back to speech therapy to the first school to pass my stutter, to my friends, to Camp Abbey, which is a summer camp I worked at in Covington, Louisiana, which was, which it was right before I went back to speech therapy. And that helped me with this whole idea of disclosure and being somewhat ready to talk about stuttering. To my coworkers, to my teachers, to other people who stutter, 
to parents of children who stutter, to my speech therapist, to future uh, speech therapists, to the NSA, to my stutter, to, to strangers, to the first person to tell me I have nothing to apologize for, to the waiter who laughed at my stutter, to the per first person who taught me I can still do great things even though I stutter, to the people who thought they were helping me but weren't, to the person who felt sorry for me, and then to my future wife, to my unborn children, and to, and to my future self. Mm. Yeah. What kind of responses have you gotten about your book? So it's been a little more than three years since, since I've published, mm -hmm. and they've all been really positive. I, I had an SLP email me recently saying that this book reminded her of why she wanted to get into the field. Mm. I had a, a parent email me a while ago saying like, it, it, it helped them better understand what their child was going through. Uh, this book is used, I know, in different speech clinics. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, used, it's required or recommended reading at a bunch of different universities. So me being you know, you know, vulnerable and honest with myself, with others, helps future SLPs and helps one kid realize that, th that they're not alone in all this and that it's going to be okay, mm -hmm. then it's all worth it. Yeah. It was all worth it for me. That's great. That's great how you've shared such a sensitive part of you for the benefit of other people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for that, you know, we thank you. And thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Good, good. I, it was uh, it was great to hear your story, mm -hmm. and um, and and to hear about all of your accomplishments at such a young age. I think you're Thank you're a pretty impressive guy. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, look forward to seeing you again sometime. Yes. If you would like to be a guest on Stutter Stories, email us at worldstutteringnetwork at gmail.com. For more information on building and developing support groups, check us out at www.worldstutteringnetwork.net.